Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments, has commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Please, Adonai, our God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and the mouth of your people, the house of Israel. May we and our offspring and the offspring of your people, the house of Israel, all of us, know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed are you, Adonai, who teaches Torah to his people, Israel. Chapter 41 of Breshit. It happened at the end of two years to the day that Pharaoh was dreaming that, behold, he was standing over the river, that's the Nile, when, behold, out of the river there emerged seven cows of beautiful appearance and robust flesh, and they were grazing in the marshlands. Then, behold, seven other cows emerged after them out of the river of ugly appearance and gaunt flesh, and they stood next to the cows on the bank of the river. The cows of ugly appearance uh, and gaunt flesh ate the seven cows of beautiful appearance and robust, and Pharaoh awoke. He fell asleep and dreamt a second time, and behold, seven ears of grain were sprouting on a single stalk, healthy and good, and behold, seven ears, thin and scorched by the east wind, were growing after them. Then the thin ears swallowed the seven healthy and full ears. Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it had been a dream. And it was in the morning his spirit was agitated, so he went and summoned all the necromancers of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh related his dream to them, but none could interpret them for Pharaoh. Then the chamberlain of the cupbearer spoke up before Pharaoh, My transgressions do I mention today. Pharaoh had become incensed at his servants and placed me in the ward of the house of the chamberlain of the butchers, me and the chamberlain of the bakers. We dreamt a dream on the same night, I and he, each one according to the interpretation, his dream did we dream. And there with us was a Hebrew youth, a slave of the chamberlain of the butchers. We related it to him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. He interpreted for each in accordance with his dream. And it was that just as he interpreted for us did it happen, uh, me he restored to the post, and him he hanged. So Pharaoh sent and summoned Yosef, and they rushed him from the dungeon. He shaved, changed his clothes, came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I dreamt a dream, but no one can interpret it. Now I heard it said of you that you comprehend a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, That is beyond me. It is God who will respond with Pharaoh's welfare. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream, behold, I was standing upon the bank of the river, and behold, out of the river there emerged seven cows of robust flesh and beautiful form, and they were grazing in the marshland. Suddenly seven other cows emerged after them, scrawny and of very inferior form and emaciated flesh. I have never seen an inferiority like theirs in all the land of Egypt. And the emaciated inferior cows ate up the first seven healthy cows. They came inside them, but it was not apparent that they had come inside them, for their appearance remained as inferior as first. Then I awoke. I then saw in my dream, behold, seven ears of grain were sprouting on a single stalk, full and good. And suddenly, seven ears of grain, withered thin, scorched by the east wind, were growing after them. Then the thin ears of grain swallowed the seven good ears. I said this to the necromancers, but no one could explain it to me. Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dream of Pharaoh is a single one. What God is about to do, he has told Pharaoh. 
The seven good cows, they are seven ears, years. And the seven good ears, they are seven years and a single dream. Now the seven emaciated and bad cows who emerged after them, they are seven years, as are seven emaciated ears scorched by the east wind. There shall be seven years of famine. In this matter that I have spoken to Pharaoh, what God is about to do, he has shown to Pharaoh. Behold, seven years are coming, and a great abundance throughout the land of Egypt. Then seven years of famine will arise after them, and all the abundance in the land of Egypt will be forgotten. The famine will ravage the land, and the abundance will be unknown in the land in the face of the subsequent famine, for it will be terribly severe. As for the repetition of the dream to Pharaoh two times, it is because the matter stands ready before God, and God is hastening to accomplish it. Now let Pharaoh seek out a discerning and wise man, and let him set over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed, and let him appoint overseers on the land, and he shall prepare the land of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. And let them gather all the food of those approaching good years. Let them amass a grain under Pharaoh's authority for food in the cities and safeguard it. The food will be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine, which will befall the land of Egypt, so that the land will not perish in the famine. The matter appeared good in Pharaoh's eyes and the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Could we find another like him, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has informed you of all this, there can be no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and by your command shall my people be sustained. By your command shall my people be sustained. Only by the throne shall I outrank you. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have placed you in charge of all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh removed his ring from his hand and put it in Joseph's hand. Then he had him dressed in garments of fine linen and placed a gold chain upon his neck. He also had him ride in his second royal chariot. And they proclaimed before him, Avrek. Thus he appointed him over all the land of Egypt. And Joseph said, I am Pharaoh, and without you no man will lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called his name Zaphonah-Paneah. Zaphonah-Paneah. And he gave him Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, chief of On for a wife. Thus Joseph uh, emerged in the charge of the land of Egypt. Now Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Joseph left Pharaoh's presence and he passed through the entire land of Egypt. And it says, The earth, uh, the earth produced during the seven years of abundance by the handfuls he gathered. And all the food of the seven years that came to pass in the land of Egypt, and he placed food in the cities, the food of the field around each city he built within it. And Joseph amassed grain like the sand of the sea and great abundance until he ceased counting, and there was no number. Now Joseph were, to Joseph were born two sons when the year of famine had not yet set in, and Hun Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, chief of On, bore to him. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God had made me forget all my hardships and all my father's household. And the name of the second is Ephraim, for God has made me fruitful in the land, fruitful in the land of my suffering. The seven years of abundance that had come to pass in the land of Egypt ended, and the seven years of famine began approaching just as Joseph had said. And there was famine in all the lands, but in the land of Egypt there was bread. 
Why was there bread? Because Yosef was there. That's why there was bread. He was there where, and that's where the bread was. Um, so it says here, when all the land of Egypt hungered, the people cried out to Pharaoh for bread. So Yosef said to all of Egypt, go to Yosef. If you want the bread that brings life, go to Yosef. Whatever he tells you, you should do. When the famine spread over all the face of the earth, Yosef opened all the containers and sold provisions to Egypt, and the famine became severe in the land of Egypt. And all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy provision, for the famine was very great upon the earth. Amen. Wow, what a story, huh? Amazing story. We're going to be, I'm going to be speaking to you today from some insights, primarily from uh, Rabbi Monk's commentary as he brings them down from various sources, and we'll probably share a little bit of from the uh, Midrash and a little bit from perhaps um, Legends of the Jews if we can get to that. So, remarkable story. This is really the climax. This is the climactic part of the life of Joseph where he's in the dungeon, he's faced a lot of trials. And how many of you know, I, you know, I said last week that you're never going to meet anybody in life when you're trying to tell them about my life has been a challenge. No one is going to say, my life has been pretty much nothing. You know, it's been pretty much easy, you know. Everybody's got a story. You get, you're, you're going good and everything is going really great. And, I mean, literally, like from one morning to the next, you can go from, hey, life is pretty good, and the next morning all hell has just fallen upon your face. Anybody besides me experience that? You're like, no, yesterday morning, man, life was good, and then the day was going on pretty good, and then the next morning I got some news, and I was like, oh, my goodness. My whole life has just come shattered around, around me. And you pick up the pieces, and sometimes, you know, you're going along, it's like, okay, whoo, all right. Oh, that was, that was Creed. I got Creed out of the way. And uh, I'm talking like within a few hours, you know, and then you go like another, and then all of a sudden, Clubber Lang shows up. Y'all know what I'm referencing, right? It's Rocky 1 and 2 and Rocky 3. Come on, people. You got to have Talmud, Midrash, and Rocky, right? That, that's, that's how it goes, okay? Rocky is based on the Midrash and the Talmud, all right? You don't understand it. Clubber Lang is the Yetzirah. So one morning is great. Then you get beat up by Creed. You work your way back and got Creed on the ropes, Right? And then a couple more days go by, and Lang shows up. Yeah. Now you're waiting for the Russian guy. Life is challenged. Life is hard. But Joseph shows us how to just keep pressing through. And you know what the secret is? It's just you just got to keep pressing. You got to keep going. You got to keep, you know, don't, don't quit life. Don't quit. You got to all your way sometimes to the top. And that's what Yosef is doing here. And the first insight I want to bring down is this. It says it happened at the end of two years. Now, he's been in prison now for 12 years. 12 years. By the way, his prison sentence was indefinite. It, was, it wasn't like you were sentenced for this crime, you're going to be in prison for 20 years. He, they just sent him to prison. Said, we'll see you later. 
that's a tough, that's a tough sentence. For something he did not do, of course. He had, he had no, there was nothing he did wrong. In fact, there was everything he did right. It said it happened at the end of two years to the day. You know, that's a good lesson too, by the way. Sometimes we end up in a trial for something we're doing right. Oh, that just took you for a loop. You're like, man, my, my world, I just, let's go back to that one. One morning, everything's great. The next morning, everything's Hades. You work your way up, literally, like 48 hours later, you get, and then Hades comes back with a vengeance. And you're like, God, why do you hate me? What have I done wrong? And God sometimes says, sometimes you did do something wrong. But sometimes the answer is nothing. I just need to take you to the next level. You're actually doing what I want you to do, actually. But I needed, I needed you to, you were doing what I need you to do, but you were doing it like kind of nonchalantly. And now what I need you to do is I need you to understand what you were doing and the emotion and the, the realness of what you were doing. So I need you to suffer so that you'll, you'll have two options. You can either quit or keep doing what you're doing right. And if you keep doing what you're doing right, I'll take you to the next level in that. And now you'll be doing it with real love, like real genuine love, and not like, I think I love God, you see. So <clears throat> these are life lessons, right? Now, you know, it says it happened in the end of two years to the day, Ketz Sham, Ketz Sam, Slika, Le Holshech. He set an end to the darkness. With these words from the book of Job 28.3, it says the Midrash begins its comments on the chapter. Well, since he said that, let's go to the Midrash. Midrash Rabbah says, It happened at the end of two years to the day that Pharaoh was dreaming, and behold, he was standing over the river. It says in the Midrash Rabbah, God set a limit to the darkness, and he investigates the end of everything, the source of gloom and the shadow of death. Job 28.3 We, because we're human beings, sometimes we, we think that events are the cause, and we, the effect is because of that thing that happened. But in reality, God is the one who sets the time for everything. He just uses events as he see, sees fit in order to, to bring his effect. And that's what they're about to say here. They're about to say that it wasn't Pharaoh's dream. <clears throat> it wasn't like Pharaoh happened to have a dream, and it just so happened that that cause affected his release from prison. No, God had set the time for that to occur. We're about to find out when that time was exactly. But God was like, and ready, to three, dream, because it's time. See, your deliverance and my deliverance, our answer is going to come in the time. Now, I have a confession to make. I'm going to confess all my sins. <laughs> Zakin says, we ain't got time for that. We'll be here all day. But one of the things that I struggle with and have struggled with my whole life is impatience. And sometimes it's good. I don't like to play around. I like to take the hill. I like to make it happen. I see something I want, I'm taking it. I see, some, I see a project, I'm ready to get it done. Uh, somebody says, you can't do that, that makes me want to do that. Right? That's never been done before. All great things that have ever been done have never been done before. <laughs> Think about that. You can't, no one's, you can't do that. This has never been done before. 
That's perfect. That's exactly what I want to do. So it's never been done before. That's great. Like they said that about something special to me. What was that thing? Oh, this. They said it was this. It was this they were talking about. I just slipped my mind. So, so I'm, so that, but my problem is, is that sometimes you got to wait for things to play out. You got to allow time. And, and that's my big struggle. And I admit to it. And, and, uh, you know, I wanted everything yesterday when it came to this as an example. But sometimes I just need to let some things play out. And, uh, and it's frustrating, too, because it's scary when that happens because you don't know how it's going to play out. You haven't the foggy idea. It's scary. You know, you know Yosef was scared at some times. You know that he's sitting in prison going, you know, what, I can imagine. I think, I, I think Yosef and I are like, we're like, I'm channeling Yosef right now. Not, not that one, the one over there. But I think Yosef sometimes, you know, he's in prison. And, and I can just imagine, like, one day he's like, oh, yeah, God's got this. I'm gonna get, I'll get out of here. It'll be quick. It'll be going to be good. It's going to work out for my best. Woo, got a future. And, like, that afternoon he's, he's in a corner crying. <laughs> Yosef, what's wrong? I, I'll probably never get out of here. And the next morning he's like, oh, you know, he's playing basketball. He's like, ooh, it's going to be good. I'm going to get out of here quick. When I get out of here, it's going to be good. And then the next day he's, he's, he can't even eat his food. He's so sad. Now you say, no, no, he was always spiritual all the time. See, that's where you're wrong. See, a Zodic is not somebody who's always walking on water. Sometimes they're drowning. What was his name? Kepha. Sometimes you've got to drown a little bit. Because that's what keeps us humble. We don't know. And, but you've got to be patient. Just let things play out in our life. That's what Joseph did, and it played out pretty well, I think. But the point here that Midrash is making is it's all God. It says, the author of Beis Halevi concludes that a person should not be concerned regarding the success or failure of any enterprise because in any case, it's not the enterprise that yields the results. The results are determined by God and will come to pass one way or the other. This is the powerful lesson of our Midrash. It is all in Hashem's hands, which, as I just got you saying, is sometimes scary because we want to control things, especially if you're a man. Men like to control, be in control. That's why we always have the remote control in our hand. You know, it's like, exactly. You know, and the people in our house, our family members, they want to change the channel. They got to come ask the man. You know, what do you want to watch today, honey? Can I see the remote? You, you see it? What do you want to watch? And, you know, those qualities are good qualities, though, you know, to, when used in balance, of course. Everything it can, you know, it's like uh, ladies, they're like, I, I just want to tell uh, my wife or, or, excuse me, my husband, rather, or my, uh, you know, significant other. I want to tell them all my problems. And a man, when he hears problems, we immediately start thinking of solutions. And, of course, I know, I know, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. A man's supposed to go, uh-huh, empathize for a while, uh-huh. We, we got that. We're training. It's, it's light slaver time. We're learning how to do that. But do you really want to be married to a little dude who just empathizes all the time and never comes up with a solution? Is that the man you really want? Because women are like, I just want him to empathize with me. And so, but they don't want to be married to that man, not really. They, they want him to empathize, but then they want a solution. They don't want somebody like, oh, honey, I, 
I know what you mean. I, I empathize with you. It's like, okay, thank you. Now, what do you want to do about it? I don't know. What do you want to do? Like, boy, you better get up and get something done. <laughs> Goodness. I ain't married to a little girl. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Women that say they don't like strong men. Well, she lying to herself. I love the little meme that came out when there was all this COVID-19 and everything shutting down. And, and I love the meme that came out. Said these, I bet these girls out there are rethinking their boys in the skinny jeans. And the Metro say they, they want the man who knows how to hunt and fish, get things done. Even the guy that says, we don't have groceries. See, I told my wife one time, no, I'm, just, I'm kidding. Don't think I'm, I'm, I'm being serious here. I'm not really ha- kind of half kidding. But when everybody back, you know, back in the day when everybody was stocking up food and beans and rice and stuff because they were concerned about the end of the world and everything, I was stocking ammo. <laughs> my wife asked me one day, she's like, why are you stocking ammo? Shouldn't be stocking beans and rice. I said, I'm stocking the ammo because I can acquire beans and rice. <laughs> Guess what? I know where it is. <laughs> Why do I want to carry all that stuff around? Let's carry ammo and I acquire it as I go. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Someone says, I, don't, I want to be married to a sensitive man. No, you don't. Everything it continues has an everything that it continues in, at, until it meets its end that is is brought by God. Joseph had to suffer in prison, forgotten by everyone, for 12 seemingly interminable years. His situation must have appeared almost hopeless. You know it did. Only his belief and faith in God could have helped him bear such a cruel ordeal. Sometimes we feel we we face things in our life that seem really, really cruel. And it's just gut-wrenching. And our only hope is just to keep trusting in Hashem. And everything's going to turn out all right. And sometimes we've got to say that while we're rocking ourselves to sleep at night. It's okay to do that. It says, but the turning point. That's, I heard somebody breathe deeply. Sometimes you've got to do that. You've got to breathe deeply. <sighs> breathe deeply. <sighs> Psychosomatic stuff. But the turning point of destiny is being readied in the silence of the absolute, and it intervenes when the time comes at the right moment, for in it is the divine plan. Now, it's interesting that Yosef has a connection to Hanukkah. Now, remember, Yosef and Yeshua, we got to think of those as this is a two sides of the same coin. The Messiah was not born in the winter. We know that. Everybody knows that. The Xmas uh, uh, holiday is totally and thoroughly pagan. Everything about it, it's not even up for discussion. Everybody knows it, okay? If you don't know it, it's like, that's like saying you don't know, like, you know, who Abraham Lincoln was or something like that. It's like everybody knows it. Everybody knows it's pagan. People that celebrate it know it's pagan. So we know he wasn't born then, but some think that he might have been conceived around that time. So I think this is interesting. It says the Jewish calendar is set up so that the Sidra Miketz, which is where this Parsha is from, is always read on Hanukkah. When the day starts to get short and nights longer, this turning point in the year is accompanied by the Hanukkah lights, which symbolically represent the triumph of light over darkness. 
Thus we see a coincidence when it is not at all fortuitous with the motif of the history of Yosef. He sets a limit for the darkness. Yosef's ascension to power is indicative of the Hanukkah that starts out with a little bit of light and eventually becomes Zolt Hanukkah. This is Hanukkah where it's shining the brightest. And all that happens in the darkest moments of life. In the darkest moments of life, God will triumph. He will bring the answer. He will bring the solution. And every one of us have gone through dark moments. Some of us are going through particularly dark moments right now. There's some people, we get prayer requests all the time. People are going through particularly dark, some of us are going through particularly dark moments. But there will always be light. And it will happen in God's son. Pharaoh, it says, was dreaming. This is something else that we have to understand is that God has this way of bringing healing with the very thing that brought brought the, this, the problem that wounded. In this case, it's a dream. Pharaoh ended up in trouble. It's not Pharaoh, excuse me. Joseph ended up in trouble because of dreams. And yet, it was dreams that brought him to the throne. Isn't that remarkable? So don't be surprised when the very thing that brought you a wound is going to be the very thing that's going to bring you into healing. We think we, so, that's so remarkable because sometimes we think, I need to take a totally different course in my life. And sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. You just need to keep going. Don't give up. Don't quit. So we spoke about dreams last week. We talked about the interpretation. And uh, I want to share something from Rabbi Monk here that brings down what types of dreams come true. I thought this was interesting. We said last week that dreams... Dreams are according to their interpretation. We talked last week about why it's important to um, think about that when you start interpreting dreams. Don't ever share your dream with a pessimist. I had a dream that I, I woke up and I was just, I was just, I had money everywhere. Oh, God says that you're greedy and he's about to take everything from you. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'll never talk to you again. Anyway, I mean, you know. It says his spirit was agitated. Rabbi Yochanan said that it was a morning dream. Rabbi, or excuse me, Rabbi 89, Midrash Rabbah. So this is a dream that happened in the morning. And he taught three kinds of dreams are fulfilled. An early morning dream, a dream which a friend has about you, and a dream which is interpreted in the midst of a dream. Barakot 55b. Now, Rabbi Edels explains that the dream which came just before one awoke is no longer the result of, of psychological deficiency or whatever that goes on earlier in the night, nor from activity of the nervous system. So do dreams occurring at the beginning of sleep. Consequently, early morning dreams belong to the third category, those which come from prophetic inspiration. Indeed, the morning hours before awakening are known to be a time of great inspiration, even of sudden revelation. The fact that Pharaoh's dreams had taken place at this hour of the morning, that there was a repetition of a dream. So dreams that happen early in the morning, dreams that if you're having a dream and you interpret the dream in the midst of a dream, those, that's the second one. 
And if a friend has a dream about you and says, hey, I saw you and this is what I saw, that dream's happening. Okay? And so you need to take, take note of those. Doesn't mean you have to say anything. You just go, okay, thank you for sharing that with me. Let me dwell on that. Now, we've been talking here about Yosef um, being in the situation in which he found himself. And he's in the dungeon, and then suddenly, and we're talking about the suddenly moment in a second, suddenly he finds himself where he is. This is Joseph's perfect chance to start the revenge checklist. Anybody seen the, the movie um, uh, The Count of Monte Cristo? Just read the book, seen the movie, Count of Monte Cristo. It's a great movie, right? It's a great movie, and I've watched that movie several times. It's just so good. I'm, this is the newer version I'm referring to with that guy that played in the movie The Passion of the Christ, whatever, but um, can't think of his name. doesn't matter. But I watched that movie, and the last time I watched it, I watched it with the, with the, the whole family here, um, I didn't realize until I got to the end that that movie very much, that whole book, that whole story, it didn't really dawn on me, was really a, a, a great biblical theme about redemption and what have you because the whole movie is about him being falsely accused, being in prison for a long time, and being beaten and tortured, and then he gets out and he's blessed with all this. He becomes the, the richest man in the world, and his partner says, you're the wealthiest man I've ever known or even heard of and it's kind of a cute scene where he's like let's just take our money and enjoy life take our blessings and enjoy life and the count of monte cristo as he'll become known was edmunds uh it was like i just got to get i got to get revenge and he's like okay tell me who they are i go i kill them we take the money and go i mean come on let's, let's get this over and he goes on this big elaborate thing about revenge only to find out at the end that none of that was worth it it didn't fulfill anything in him to take revenge. You know how challenging it is to forgive somebody? <laughs> you ever been put it? You know, we all say this. You know, Matt gets up every week, says the Baraka for forgiveness. And, but there's sometimes, and people, maybe it's you here today. Maybe, maybe this is you today. Where there's somebody that did something to you, and you really need to forgive them. And you've been, you're, you float through life, I can just forgive, I'll forgive, I'll forgive, I'll forgive. And all of us have had somebody do something to us, and all of us have done something to somebody, probably multiple somebodies. But then you meet that head-on collision of where somebody just did something to you, and you slam. And there's, and maybe you don't really want to forgive them, but you're hit on that, you're like face-to-face. -face. Boy, you ever had that conversation with God, like, you're, just, you're so holy, you know, you're just so righteous. And then you're like, man, I'm doing so good. And then, bam, something happens, and then God says, all right, it's time to forgive them. You're like, ooh, not that one. <laughs> and Hashem is like, no, no, actually, this, that's really what you got to do. And you're like, okay, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't going down like that. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, you know what I'm saying? You know? <laughs> And now, none of y'all been there, I know, because y'all all holy, holy, holy. <laughs> and sometimes it takes a few bouts with creed before you're really ready to forgive. Right? Now, I know, I know some of y'all are like, no, I forgive right on the bat. I don't care what you did to me. You killed my whole family. 
destroy my house, wipe out my inheritance, leave me for dead on the side of the road, I will forgive you. You are lying. <laughs> I'm just telling you, okay? Now, without, with that said, Joseph is a rock star. Because I've been through some, so to quote Mikael, I've been through some things, okay, in my life. And I've held some grudges. I'm still dealing with some grudges right now, okay? I'm just telling you. You say, I thought you were perfect, Rabbi. Well, you thought wrong. <laughs> you want your money back? <laughs> Non-refundable. <laughs> due, to, due to COVID. But uh, I've been through some things, and, and I'm, still, I'm still holding some grudges, still working. Maybe, maybe the grudge is less today than it was yesterday, but it's, it's going down, I think. Sometimes it goes back up, and I'm about to push it back down. All right? Now, sometimes I forgive easy, quick. You know how it is, right? Depends if somebody caught you up in traffic or not. But here's Yosef been through some things. And I want you to imagine him. He told the wine dude, that's the official term, don't forget me because I just blessed you, man. You're going to the top. I'm telling you, you're going to the top. Don't forget me when you get there. The wine dude forgot him. Of course, it turns out it was actually God causing the wine dude to forget him. So here's what most of us would have done, probably me. Wine dude is standing right here. This is me. After I come back and, and, and you know, I'm like, oh, man, this is awesome. This is me looking at the wine dude. And this, and, 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 and this is me. This is me. This is me. Get the ring and the finger. Oh, thank you. So, oh, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did you like that prison? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. That's me. But this is what Yosef did. This is what Yosef did. Wine dudes right here. This is what Yosef did. Got the ring. <laughs> Why? Why? Because he knew it was all a shim. Now, he's a rock star. I ain't there yet. I ain't there yet. I need to take some medication first. I ain't there yet. God, I mean, excuse me, Joseph just didn't care. He didn't care about the wine dude who betrayed him. He didn't care about the brothers who betrayed him. He didn't care about Potiphar who betrayed him. He didn't care about the woman who betrayed him. He didn't care about nobody who betrayed him. He didn't care about nothing. He didn't care about the Ishmaelites. He didn't care about the Midianites. He didn't care about nothing. All he cared when it came down to it, all he said is, is my dad alive? He was only concerned about the mission. And I'm telling you right now, you know what I'm talking about. It's hard to do that. This guy's a rock star. Is it any wonder that Yeshua, who is the spiritual Yosef, main message was about forgiveness? Is it any wonder? Why? Because the prototype was all about forgiveness. That's crazy, man. 
I'm telling you right now. I don't know about y'all, but I'm enjoying this, this drosh today. <laughs> I'm, I'm learning some things. How much time I got? We're going late. All right, I do. I got the ring. That's right. Deliverance is suddenly. Now, all of this happened coincidentally on Rosh Hashanah. So what's the picture here? On Rosh Hashanah, literally, the Messiah, Yosef, and he is a type of Messiah, was resurrected from the dead, was brought into the throne room, and was crowned king on Rosh Hashanah. And by the way, see, this is what we have to understand in life. He went from just dark, dark dead. I mean, you know, Yosef is in the prison. He's doing the same nine to five. He's in prison. He's never going to get out. He's just going about his business. I'm sure some days it's harder to work than others. And, and there's no hope for any change. And all of a sudden, bam, they run in there and say, get dressed, shave. What, what, are, we, what are we doing? What, just get in the car. What do we Get in the car. Why am I getting in the royal limo? Get in the limo. Watch your head. Why are we pulling up to the royal palace? Get out of the car. What are we doing? Shut up. We're, we're, you're going to see Pharaoh. Pharaoh? Yeah, he had a dream. He had a dream. <laughs> you know, you got to think, think about what Yosef's probably thinking. Now, again, trying to bring it home for us all, some of us are not always positive. See, this might have been me. What are we doing? Oh, look, okay. You're going to go see Pharaoh. Pharaoh? He had a dream. Oh, no. Oh, no. No. Last time I, I interpreted my dreams, I interpreted his dreams, and I was way out there, way out there. And guess what? I'm still here. I ain't, don't do this to me again. You ain't doing this to me again. We ain't going down like that. But, but Yosef was thinking, let me try it again. Okay. <laughs> Woo. Why not? It's been fun so far. Let's see, I, some dreams, dreams got me to some slavery, got some stripes on my back for that. Dreams got me in, in the prison, oh, for a while, that's great. So maybe I'll get, hey, by this time they'll cut my head off. Let's do it. So they rushed him in there. Suddenly he's crowned king on Rosh Hashanah. The deal is, um, we have to understand that this is how things change. This is how suddenly happened for the best. We don't see an end in sight. We don't know how it can work out. We haven't the foggiest clue. And so what happens, we start screwing things up because we start to try to make things, the wheels start turning differently. Well, let me go meet with this one and see if I, maybe that's, let me go meet with that one. Let me do this thing that I know I shouldn't be doing, but let me do it anyway. I know it's wrong, but let me do it because I'm trying to make a wheel turn. Sometimes we just need to chill. God's going to work it out. He's going to make some things happen. And, you know, and listen, uh, I'm, I'm sitting here, you say, were you talking about me, Rabbi? Actually, I'm talking about me. I just said I'm Mr. Impatient. 
Did I just say, my wife says, yep. <laughs> that was from the Holy Spirit. She's like, yep. <laughs> I'm Mr. Impatient. I'm ready for a change, and I, you know, I'm ready to make some things change. And, and sometimes I just need to, I need to chill out. We've got to do that sometimes and let God be God. Because I've, I've screwed some things up. In my, I like that word, things. I've, I've messed some things up in my life by trying to push things to happen. I'd like to tell you I've learned my lesson, but sometimes I don't. You know how many times you've got to hit yourself on the, hammer, on the finger with your hammer before you decide to move your hand out of the way? Or to wear some kind of safety device? I saw a guy out the other day. Bless his heart. He's, he's on this road. It's full of dust. Full of dust. And he's got one of them back blower things, you know. And he's blowing, and he's just in, he's ensconced in like, like just a cloud of like dark dust. And I've seen this gentleman out there doing that the last couple of days on this particular road where he's working. And then the other day I passed him, and he's, he's got the thing off, and he's going like this. <sighs> because he's not wearing goggles or any type of like thing on his face. And I'm thinking, I want to just pull over and say, I'm sorry, come here. Can you come here for a second? Because I've been out here for a couple of days. Now listen, when you turn that on and you hit this this concrete, you're going to be in, engulfed in like a big cloud of dust, and it's going to get in your eyes, and in your mouth. So here's what you need to do: you need to go get a pair of goggles, and yeah, an N95 mask, not for COVID, but for stuff that actually will protect you against. And that way, you won't get anything in your eyes and your mouth. Right? But sometimes we don't know how to do that. we got to have somebody else tell us, like, hey, this is what you need to do. So it says here that Joseph was filled with the Ruach HaKodesh. Okay? How many of you remember that, uh, that the Torah was given in all 70 known languages? The Torah was given in all 70 known languages. Now, Pharaoh wanted to make Joseph, apparently he wanted to make Joseph full-on king. With no caveat. Basically, he wanted to make Joseph like a co a co king, right? Like a co hen. Anyway, <laughs> but he couldn't because Joseph was a slave, and a, more importantly, was a Hebrew. So that's why he said, "The only thing that's going to be higher for me than you is the throne. I'm just going to be like one step above you." So the other thing, though, was that they said the only person who can be royal. Is someone who has to speak all 70 known languages. The 70 languages of the nations, which, by the way, doesn't include Hebrew. You have Hebrew and then the 70 languages. So, yeah, get you some. Okay? So the Torah was given in all 70 languages. Now, Yosef is Yeshua, the, the, the picture anyway. He's not literally Yeshua, you know what I mean, but he's the picture thereof. And so since Yeshua is the Torah, Yeshua is going to, that's why in the book of Acts, they heard the word of God in everybody's tongue. That's why. So, Yosef apparently didn't know the 70 languages. So, what happened is, the night before, Gavriel showed up and taught him all the 70 known languages. So, then when he went before Pharaoh, all of a sudden, he could speak all 70 known languages. But there's a caveat. He went through all the 70 known languages in front of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh was like, okay, okay, you are definitely royal. I knew I saw something in you. I knew. I just knew it. And then he spoke to Pharaoh in Hebrew, and, he, and Pharaoh says, I don't know that one. And Pharaoh said, don't tell anybody I don't know that one. 
because royalty is supposed to know everything. So Joseph knew 71 languages, you see, because he knew the holy tongue. Now, why was it necessary for Yeshua's hands and feet to be wounded and his head with the crown of thorns? It says here, and they put, they put it on Joseph's hands. As the rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel said, Yosef well deserved the honors bestowed upon him because of his virtuous life. The hands, neck, or head, and the body and the feet carried by the chariot which had refused to sin were now adorned with glorious signs of royalty. So Yosef refused to sin with his hands, with his head, with his body, and with his feet. That's why he was put on the chariot and carried around. This is why Yeshua's hands and feet his body and his head had to be stricken because we've all sinned and he had to take that sin upon his hands. Think about it. Nothing is random. They nailed his hands. They nailed his feet. They striped his back and they put the crown of thorns on his head. Why those specific parts? And the answer it goes back to Yosef because we have all done what Yosef didn't do. There's a lot more I could say, but I want, well, two things, two things, two things. My, this is my first closing. Um, Pharaoh changed his name to Zaphonath Paneah. Rabbi Monk, Zaphonath Paneah means revealer of the hidden. You know, the, the pre-incarnate Messiah, the angel of, of the Holy One said, when they asked him his name, he said, my name is Hidden. Right, which also means wonderful. It says here, Joseph is granted a new name on his nomination to a state position. This was in accordance with the Egyptian custom and, at times, with Jewish custom. The change of name is of importance in the narrative because it will contribute to masking Joseph's identity when his brothers come to Egypt. According to Onkelos and Rashi, this name means the explainer of hidden names. So we ask ourselves a question, why is it that the Messiah's name, how come throughout all of history, Yeshua has never been called Yeshua? It's always been some other name. The latest one that's 500 years old <laughs> is Jesus. Up until 500 years ago, that name literally did not exist. We have went over this before, right? The name Jesus has only existed for about 500 years. So the name that was under heaven, given by men, wasn't Jesus because it's only been around for 500 years. Now, in case you're wondering, you've got to go back 2,000 years to the first century. So we've got 1,500-year gap. So why is it, why has the Messiah always been called by another name? And the answer is because it was necessary in order to bring about the redemption of the brothers. Because you're, we're about to find out that Yosef has been spending his entire time gathering in the non-Jews into the covenant. Someone asked a valid question one time. How come, once he got the power, how come he didn't send his, how come he didn't send his father a text message and say, by the way, I'm alive, LOL. <laughs> Hashtag not my fault. I'm in Egypt. You want to come see me? How come he didn't do that? Because it wasn't time for him to reveal himself to his brothers because 
He needed to save the Gentiles first and bring them into the covenant. And the, and the answer is, once his brothers got redeemed, that was it for the non-Jews being able to come into the covenant. Okay? So it says here, an allusion to Yosef's ability to explain dreams, Rambam adds that Pharaoh gave the name in a language which was translated into Egyptian, just as his daughter Bitbatya did in the naming Moses. According to some other sages, the name is of Egyptian origin. The Septuagint, the Coptic version, translates this name, Salvation of the World. So, Yosef's name that was given to him by Pharaoh literally meant Savior of the World. Now, one final thing. It's my final close. It says, and he passed through the entire land of Egypt. It says, we have already been told this in the previous verse, but here it's mentioned that Joseph went out from before Pharaoh. This additional detail is of particular importance for the Zohar, which considers every terrestrial event as only a reflection of the metaphysical causes emanating from the higher spheres. There exists, a door, tor, the Zohar tells us, a royal chariot on this earth, and a chariot of divine majesty borne by the four angels in the celestial spheres, Ezekiel 1.16. So if honor was lavished on Yosef to the point that he rode through the whole of Egypt in the royal chariot, emerging from Pharaoh's presence, quote-unquote, that is to say, as the herald of the king and surrounded by the radiance of his glory, then it is because he had the merit of being the herald of the king of the universe. Joseph has an had announced his message to mankind, and wherever he had lived among the pagans, he had proclaimed his name and his glory. In other words, Yosef went around in this chariot, not letting people just give him accolades. He was going around in the chariot to all parts of Egypt and the, the royal empire, preaching the gospel of the covenant. Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. 